Tree Talk podcasts acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people here today. You're listening to Tree Talks podcast with your host, me, Mona Brookoff. Tree Talks podcast branches out into the world of trees, one episode at a time. Here we go. My name's Adam Tom, and I was um, raised on a farm just outside Parks in central New South Wales, and it's a farm that's been in the family since we think about 1854. Um, And over the generations, it got bigger and smaller. It was cut up and rejoined and, you know, farms, it evolved, I suppose, is the the best way to to look at it. So that's where I grew up. I, um, as a kid, did what farm boys did, which was, you know, ride horses, ride motorbikes, go out and harass the, the local wildlife with firearms. Um, get up to mischief, whether it be, no, well, I won't mention any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, spent spent um, part of my secondary schooling at Parks High School, went to a, uh, a private school in Bathurst for a few years and then spent uh, five and a half years at, at university at, um, at the Uni of New England at Armidale. And uh, that's where I learnt the 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 basis of of you know my my plant and tree knowledge with some with some very uh, very clever people there, um, and yeah, I met a lot of good people and got up to a, a lot of mischief and also met my wife. Funnily enough, um, who I'm absolutely amazed she's put up with me for this long. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 tree thing. I remember one of my earliest tree memories, I suppose, was coming home from school when I was a, a tacker. I might have been, I'd reckon, ten or twelve, something like that. And down by the creek at the back of the house was a, a very large old gnarly, bent over. I don't know, distorted uh, Western, no, it wasn't a Western grow box. It's a, a fuzzy box, eucalyptus conica, and not particularly tall, a lot of width to it, uh, very, very old tree, um, well over two metres through the stem at ground level and just, you know, full of character. And it hung out over the creek next to it and... Um, so I, and it was on a fair sort of a lean and you could climb up into it without any real worries. And I'd get up in this thing and I'm sort of scrambling around and I was sitting on a branch and a kookaburra flew out of the the hollow branch. So I sort of lay on top of the branch and leaned over the head and, and uh, there was a couple of young kookaburras in the, in the hollow branch. So that was a bit of a thrill and, you know, I'd been sitting on that branch wondering if I'd jump far enough, would I land in the water or would I land in the mud? So anyway, didn't do it. 
climbed down out of the tree, raced up the house, and my grandparents were up from Sydney on a holiday. They came up in um, August, September every year, and um, granddad, my grandfather was there, and I said, oh, you know, I've been down at the creek, and I was up in this tree, and a, a kookaburra flew out of the branch, and there was young'uns in the nest. So if I was 10, that would have been... Or 12, that would have been, say, 1973, 74, something like that. And so that would have made my grandfather about about 73 or 74, something like that. I think he was born in 1900. And um, he goes, oh, is that the, uh, is that the old grey box just there on the, the straight down below the... The back gate, I said, yeah, that's it. He said, oh, he said, that nest was there when I was a boy. Wow. So, um, so that old grey box that had an active cooker's burrow's nest in it then for 70-odd years. And now I'm 61. Um, it's still there. And they still use that branch plus a couple of others for nests, the old trees since dropped a couple of large branches in a storm but um you sort of think how many generations of kookaburras have lived in that tree yeah and were they using that tree before you know my predecessors my ancestors came along and 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 um and became squatters on that part of the the land so that's an early tree memory, but um, what pushed me, or not pushed me, what steered me into trees, I suppose, was, you know, father-son conversations, which were quite often held in the, out in the paddock at night when I was giving him a hand to do something and the words, uh, you know, accountant or pharmacist or engineer used to come up and he said, I don't mind if you want to be a farmer. And he said, I want you to, you know, go away and get an education and and um, learn a profession. So I thought, well, if I can't be a farmer, I'll do something else that's sort of plant-related. And I ended up in the botany department at, at UNE. And, um, and from there, ended up at the New South Wales Forestry Commission for a, for a short while. And... Uh, rapidly worked out that monoculture mm. pine forests weren't my thing. In fact, they were as boring as it comes. But um, so I got out of there and went back to the farm for a few weeks. And then a friend rang and said, "Oh, would you um, would you like to come up to um, Brisbane? And we haven't seen you since you left uni, and we need to drink beer." And and, and and get up to mischief. So I came to Brisbane and we drank beer and uh, I never went home. I've been here ever since. I've, <laughs> I um, ended up working for a, uh, a landscape company doing tree work and helping them on their tree farm and blah, blah, blah. And it's all sort of evolved from there. So... Uh, no complaints, but I do get 
very homesick. <laughs> oh yeah, I miss the stars at night, and I miss the silence at night, and uh, and the room to move. And what is it that yeah. kept you in Brisbane then for so long? What how? Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it initially. I still enjoy it. Um, but I'd been up here about eighteen months, and the 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 boss, the owner of the company, a Canadian gentleman by the name of Jack Lee, said, um, uh, "We've got another tree to move," and because they'd recently had a, a fig on a barge come up the Brisbane River and put it into a uh, a um, an office development on the river in town, and it was you know, sort of big news in the industry because no one had done anything like that before. And so I think, you know, doing that sort of work was one of the things that, that kept me here. But mm -hmm. there was there was always something new. We were always, if we weren't out transplanting palms or sourcing palms, uh, we were, you know, growing them or installing them or whatever, you know. So that was that was it was all good fun and um and uh you know my uh my wife and she was uh she was local as well so that yeah that helped so, uh, but i've never really I suppose in some ways I don't like moving. <laughs> I, I live in the same house I bought 30 years ago. I've never, I just hate moving home. Time, time passes by and you, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I'm still here and yeah. I'm still doing it. And, um, you know, so yeah. that's, the, that's, that's history in a nutshell. Did, has that fig still survived? Do you get to see that as well, still established? Uh, the, the one on the barge, no, it ended up um, going to meet its maker. The, the design around the tree wasn't, you know, architecturally, it was lovely, horticulturally, it was shocking. Um, the tree itself was in a, a planter that was below a podium um plaza area and it had a water feature next to it and the water feature was heavily chlorinated to stop it getting algae and mm. and uh critters in it and whenever it overflowed or the wind blew or whatever the excess water um ended up in the the planter for the for the um for the fig so it suffered terribly from uh, conductivity problems and drainage problems and all the associated uh, issues that go with it. So in the end, it was was removed. So I suppose it was there for, it was probably there for, oh, it was there for at least 10 years, if not a little bit longer, but it was, it was certainly gone by the end of the 90s. I actually haven't been in that part of town for, for quite a while. I try to avoid it where I can. <laughs> but I suppose, so, like, if that was the first of its kind 
for you being around in Brisbane for so long, you yeah, you get to understand then the history of those what the works that you've done, the the things that you've seen, the, how you analyze and and things. Absolutely. Would, yeah. Absolutely. You know, that tree was the first big transplant in Brisbane and certainly one of the first in the country. Wow. Um the one that the first one I did with, with that company was in 1980. Must have been. I think we started work on it in 87. I think we moved it at 80, in 1988 while Expo was on. Um, and it was a, a different kettle of fish. Every really big tree transplant that you do, they're all different. You know, mm. the principle's the same. The situation's always different, so uh, it's still there. It's it's um, it's doing really well. Um, it had a bit of an issue at one stage when a lawn care contractor emptied a bunch of herbicide onto the uh, oh, onto no. the root zone and did a fair bit of damage to one side of the tree. But it's a white fig, and you know white figs are probably one of the toughest trees on the face of the planet and it's just shook it off and kept on going um i go there and have a bit of a sit occasionally and and look at it and uh but you know there's trees around town that we've transplanted and they've grown beautifully for years and then they've been removed for some reason um to build tunnels or whatever Um, but it's it's always good to go and see an old friend. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think about how you did it. You think about the people who you worked on it with, and um, mm. also what you do differently if you did it again. You then what you you knew yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you studied in Armadale and grew up in south australia but it's a very different climate and um was that like a different world to you or because you'd you know your connection with the farm and then going up to armadale with studies going into queensland and that kind of climate and vegetation was it easy to adapt with that background um it took a little while um you know down on the farm at, at parks and uh you know it's 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 you know temperate there and armadale is 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 very temperate we you know we'd get snow at armadale at least once a year sometimes twice and that was always a great excuse to basically get drunk and misbehave um <laughs> you know snow equal rum and <laughs> rum equals fun um uh but coming to, to to Brisbane, yeah. So we're moving from temperate into the the subtropics. So I didn't know what a poinciana was or, or anything like that. But um, it doesn't take long to 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 pick that up. Um, it's a it's it's a change in botany rather than anything else. You've just got to apply your knowledge and 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 think through the problems. It's it's you know, probably fun more than anything else. And a lot of people are amazed that when we do end up work 
working, if I go to Sydney or Melbourne or wherever, I, I wonder why I know so many sort of temperate species and I just haven't forgotten them. Um, mm. You know, being able to pick the difference between, you know, you know different... Um, uh, different species of cedrus or or whatever capressus that sort of stuff um i can still get it right most most of the time but uh, sometimes there's the odd disaster but hey that's all right but yeah you know, and a lot of eucalyptus species i used to be id i've since forgotten because i don't i'm not exposed to them mm. The, you know, the the southern dryland species I don't see them as much as I used to but um, it's all good it's all good it doesn't take long to get that stuff back you know yeah um, it's remembering the it's remembering that if I, I go north into the tropics then that's where I run into trouble um, <laughs> there's a, just so much stuff up there it's just mind-blowing the species up there but, um, you know I uh, if you if you write it down often enough, you soon remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, um, you are the tree doctor. How does one qualify as a tree? What makes a tree doctor for a start? For those oh. who don't understand. Well, really, if you want to, if you want to be a tree specialist an amenity tree specialist, you know, amenity, the, the, the care and maintenance of amenity trees, you need to know about soil, you need to know about um, anatomy, you need to know about physiology and people say, well, aren't they the same? And No, they're not. They're, you know, the anatomy is how it's put together and the physiology is how it works. And there is a, a difference, but you need to know a good dose of both you need to know the uh a bit about pathology and so you know i've got all that stuff as part of the the degree and the, the postgraduate work i did so um and you know again that comes back to you know i spoke earlier about education and the lack of knowledge in the industry and um I'm certainly lucky that I do have that that knowledge and you know, and it's not just what I learnt forty years ago. Forty <laughs> um, uh, forty years ago at uni, it's 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 you know, I've learnt way more than that since. Mm. And um, every like, I learn something new every day. Every day. Um, if I'm out looking at stuff, I'm learning stuff. I don't profess to know it all. I don't profess to know even a little bit. Um, but I, I try to look and work out how a tree's reacted to so-and-so or what's caused such a problem or why it failed or, you know, how the tree's responded to something um that's that's how you learn it it's it's looking it's looking at what's what's going on the um 
you know, I tell young arborists out working on the, the crew that they they work in the, the best classroom if yeah. if they want to learn. And that's the problem. A lot of them don't realise that they, they need to learn. But working on a crew, you know, pruning and doing removals or whatever, or just maintenance and planting, um, look and learn. Um, if you're doing removals, if the tree has is, is failed, you dissect the tree, work out why it failed before you shove it through the chipper. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're getting to, you're, you're working in a giant sized laboratory. They just, they just don't realize it. So, yeah, my library next door is full of, you know, not only books and references, but it's full of bits of tree that, that I, that I you know, collected and dissected and, you know, I only keep the really unusual bits, otherwise the whole office would be um, <laughs> buried under a pile of samples. <laughs> um, you only learn by looking yeah. and asking questions. Um, it's not going to be presented to you on a on a on a platter. Mm. So, you know, the ones that want to learn need to do that, and. Um, the ones that don't ask the questions and don't absorb it, well, they miss out. Mm. And I wish there was a few more uh, young arborists out there who were asking the questions and and solving the problems or, you know, if they can't solve it, refer somewhere and, and, and uh, you know, look, at, look a bit deeper, dig, mm. you know. 40 years ago, we didn't have an internet. All we had was a library full of books and references. And yeah. um, now you've got this wonderful resource in an internet, but sometimes a good old fashioned book and knowing how to use a, uh, use a text and dig around in the index and ask the questions and find the, uh, find the papers. Um, you'll fall down wormholes. Yeah, I um, I was having a, an online conversation with a uh, a um, a a lady arborist in the, the states earlier in the week who'd put up a post about allelopathy and and um, I said, oh, I wrote my my postgraduate thesis on allelopathy, and she said, oh, where can I find a copy? And I said, well, there's only only ever six copies printed. Because this again was back before, before. Yeah. digitization, and she, I said, you know, as far as I know, they're all. I've got two copies, and there's two copies in the uni library, and two copies in the botany department library, or there were when wow. I left uni. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But who knows if they're still there? And she asked whether they'd been digitized, and I said, well, maybe. I I don't know. Um, so I sent her a, 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 you know, sent her the title of the document, and she uh, she went looking. So who knows whether she actually found it or not? You I don't know. I don't know, but uh, you know, there's a person who was out there, uh, uh, out there actively mm. trying to build her knowledge and become a better arborist. Mm. I just wish there was more, more of that, unless. Um, 
less of what another old friend used to call smoke and ropes. You know, it's all about the all about the rope and the the big chainsaw and look what mm -hmm. I cut down this morning. Yeah. Uh, rather than and you know, that's a valuable part of the industry. We've all done it and it's gotta be done. But a little bit more of um I found a tree with this or that happened and it's compensated this way or mm. yeah or know, how do we keep how do, instead of just a removing is an answer how do you keep it and how do you retain and, it yeah. yeah yeah there's not enough conversation or open space of what else this industry has to offer um and also do you think that's because as well wider community doesn't understand the purpose of arborists and why they um what their role is within society i think um you know the word arborist is becoming more widely used in 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 the community but i think a lot of people excuse me a lot of people still regard arborists as just being the fancy word for tree loppers Mm. and which is a shame and you know part of me thinks that 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 is only going to change with time and getting more and more you know contractors and consultants who provide good advice um and and do do the right work but unfortunately we have an industry that has a very high proportion of, how would you say, less than ethical uh, contractors and people calling themselves consultants who don't have the knowledge base required to be or provide the good advice now mm. if you think about the word consultant what is a consultant well you know a consultant is someone who through years of ongoing training and experience can provide specialized advice on a particular subject so i can you know i can talk for hours on risk and pathology and that sort of stuff but i'm not much good on on climbing systems so I'm not going to go out and try and be a, a climbing safety consultant and um, uh, and specialise in that. I'm going to leave that up to to the the fellows that do. Likewise, they shouldn't be providing advice on you know disease management or um, mm. or, or something along those lines. Yeah. You know, I work insurance companies and I've worked for the coroner's office and all that sort of stuff and sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's interesting um, uh, but it, it's always eye-opening it's always um, always makes you think and I, I suppose in a way I've had a bit of a uh, a lucky um career in that you know was was you know back in the 90s was 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 lucky enough to to spend a lot of time with 
with with with Al Shigo and some of his friends, and um, that was you know always always good fun. Um, you know, in the early days, I spent a lot of time traipsing backwards and forwards to the US to conferences and workshops and that sort of stuff. But if there was an opportunity to learn, I figured I'd better take it. And do you, you know, think that the the learning from do you think Australia's um the industry worldwide has is all on the same level or do you think some countries are more established or more knowledgeable or um, when you're saying you're going to America, is that because they had? Um... Well, I think there probably is a you know a, a a variation between countries, but I don't haven't travelled to enough countries to really quantify that. Um, but you know, thirty years ago, you had two countries that you had one country which provided education in ARB, which was Britain mm. with, with, you know, colleges like Meriswood and Myscoff, places like that. Um, whereas the United States had a, a, a huge industry and, you know, the, the, the big companies over the Davies, the Bartlett's, the Asplins, you know, the Bartlett laboratories and that sort of stuff. They were, you know, getting to go and talk to those guys was um, was good. It was a, a good experience. But if you wanted to go to a conference, that's where you had to go because we didn't have anything like that. And it wasn't until we started the ISA chapter here in the late 90s that we actually had a, you know, a, a specialised tree conference and, mm. and a professional association. And that has, of course, morphed into ARB Australia um, and the, the smaller contractors associations like the, the QAA. And we had also back in those days the National Arborist Association in New South Wales, but it was mainly a New South Wales-centred association. But they were all good people and you know, would have the odd meeting and workshop where you could go and learn stuff. But Australia itself was a bit of a knowledge vacuum, mm. and if you wanted to learn, you had to you had to go places. So we did. <laughs> we did. Do you think the clientele you've had have changed over the years as well? How what people are expecting off their trees, or what they um, expect from you, or um, yeah, that's interesting. I. As a private contractor, I still have my first client. So he's he's been a client for for 30, 33 years and lovely bloke um, rings me up. We go and check his trees out, you know. Um, the good clients, the regular clients, no, I don't think they've changed a lot. They want their trees cared for. That's the bottom line, and that's that's what we do. Um, you still get clients who just want everything gone, so they mm. can you know pave the yard or um, do it in green concrete. Uh, they're sort of 
not my style of client. Um, so, yeah, you've got me a little bit tongue-tied on that one. No, it, the, what we do to trees has changed or how we go about it's changed a, a, a lot, but I don't mm. think the end result, I don't think their, their needs have. Mm. Do you um, think that you've, you have an, um, an influence, a greater influence over the, the amount of years that you've been in, in the industry and how you communicate with people? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you learn to, you learn more about the trees. You learn how to be a better uh, communicator. Mm. Well, I've tried to put it that way. Um, some days, some days you just, some days I just really don't want to go out and face <laughs> the world. <laughs> um, but uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we'll, just, we'll just say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, it's um, the, the 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 people that want the people that love their trees and love their yards, love their gardens. They they um, they their needs haven't changed. Mm. That's what they want. Mm. Um, we are getting more people wanting the um, the, the, the specialised or, or a better quality of work. They don't want their trees um, hat racked, old school. That's you know something we've never done. But um, there's still contractors out there that do it, and that's and that's sad. Mm. What's kind of a, a message that you'd like? wider community to know and also the uh, our, our industry what would you like with with the knowledge that you've got 40 years and then you'd say okay i'd like to you know what you'd like to see in the future or oh that's 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 pretty simple man it's don't stop learning hmm. let's learn 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 about trees learn about not just the tree but the complete system so it's the it's the atmosphere the structures the environment the soil the microbiology the root on the morton bay fig that's 200 meters down the sewer um all that sort of stuff it's it's don't stop learning mm -hmm. because if you if you want to it's 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 there yeah it's there um the attitude that, hey, I've got an AQF5 or I've whatever, and that's the end of it. It's it's not, um, you know, the idea that uh, an AQF5, a diploma, an ARB automatically makes you a, a, a good consultant is, uh, or makes you a consultant. I don't know where that one came from, but it couldn't be any further from the truth. You know, mm. an AQF5 doesn't contain anywhere near enough knowledge learning to uh, to put you in a position as a consultant. It puts you at the start line of going down that road to to being a consultant. And, yeah. and you know, f from my perspective, um, there is no... I can't see the end of that road. I'm going to retire before I get to anywhere near the end of the knowledge road in in urban tree care and 
and um, and true science. It's it's a hell of a long road, and you know, even you know, many years ago, walking through a forest with Al Shigo and having a an evening walk in the forest and a drink, um, while we took the dog for a walk, he'd say, you know, I don't know at all. Mm. And he'd, he he was in his seventies at the time, and um, you know we'd wander through the forest, and you know he'd he'd point out a particular tree and say, oh, "I've been watching that tree for thirty something years," um, and he'd have images of it back in the you know, back in his office, and he'd 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 watch things for years on end, but he 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 freely admitted that he. He didn't know it all. Mm. There was still much, much more to learn. And now, when did Al pass away? 2006. So he's, you know, we've been without him for almost 20 years. Um, There's, you know, researchers out there challenging his findings or taking his research even further. And he said, I'm not saying that what I have found is exactly right but that is what I've found by doing the research that I've done. And if someone can disprove me and they've got the, 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 the scientific data to prove it, he was happy with that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we, we all need to, we all need to keep, we all need to keep learning. There's a question I always like to ask everyone and that's oh, if the trees could talk, what the do you think they would talk. say? Uh, if trees could talk, I'd reckon one of the uh, one of the things that have probably come to come to the surface would be something along the lines of, and you might have to bleep this out, but why are you got a perfectly good planet? There's only mm. one. It's a little blue planet in a very very large universe, and it's the only one we've got, and uh, we don't start looking after it, and things are going to be pretty grim. Mm. And it, uh, well, here we go. Hang on. I can read it out. I'll just drag this off the cra- crashing and bashing. <laughs> Everyone should um, should get a copy of that. Life magazine, uh, May 1990. And it says on the front cover, the miracle of trees, they give us shade, beauty, the air we breathe. If we let them, they could even save our environment. And that's 33 years old. Mm. So, um, and we keep on cutting them down.